engineered, driven, created. Are listening to the B Velocity podcast, and this is episode nine. I'm Deborah, and I'm Sophie, your host, and we are joined today with our guest Nadine Lewis. Nadine is the BMMC national chairman. In other words, she's like the Orange Army Queen, who we are so grateful to have. In this episode, we'll be talking about volunteering in motorsport, including how you can get involved yourself and get close to the action. Welcome Nadine, we are truly honoured to have you on as our guest on our podcast. Also, massive congratulations on the award from the British Women's Racing Drivers Club. Well, it's nice to talk to you and nice to talk to somebody different, even if it is still through a, a Zoom meeting, as it were, um, but uh, a, a different experience. But uh, yes, I'm doing all right. Thank you very much. Brilliant. Brilliant. I am going to treat you like a queen today. Today because you are like motorsport royalty as far as I'm concerned so um could you tell our audience a little bit about yourself sure so um my name's Nadine Lewis um I uh, is a day job so I do have a day job um I'm actually a supply chain manager for Europe for a food company um and currently having quite horrendous issues trying to ship product because of Brexit. So that's my day job. Um, and motorsport is my hobby um, and very much a, a passion and a love that I enjoy at the weekends. Um, I've been involved in motorsport as a marshal for over 20 years now. Um, I first um, was interested in motorsport because my dad used to watch Formula One on the telly. Um, so I'd be sat with my dad on a Sunday afternoon watching Formula One. Um, and then um, literally a friend of mine heard about uh, Marshalls um, and um, heard it on the radio um, and said, oh, that's something you'd be interested in. Not having a clue what I was signing up for, but hey, 20 odd years. <laughs> OK, so just can you just actually tell us or the term Marshall, what does it mean to people, obviously in the motorsport world? So, so a motorsport marshal um, is a volunteer. We're all volunteers um, and we are volunteer officials um, at motorsport events. Um, so we could be involved in all kinds of motorsport, um, what people refer to as grassroots, uh, club racing, all the way up to Formula One um, in all sorts of capacities um, from uh, being out on the bank waving flags, uh, pushing cars, putting out fires um, to being a 
a clerk, even the clerks have been marshals or a lot of them are still marshals now, um, could be on a rescue unit, um, could be working in the pit lane, start line, assembly area. Um, so all of those people you see in orange around the circuit, any one of those jobs, um, the we are all volunteer officials. Um, so we are there in an official capacity, um, but, but we are there because our main passion is with motorsport. And what's your main role being a, a, a chairman? So in my role as chair, um, the British Motorsport Marshals Club, um, we have um, about 2,300 members currently, um, and uh, we are volunteers at all sorts of events. So we cover different disciplines. We cover um, racing events, uh, karting, hill climbs and sprints, as well as rallies. Um, so we cover all aspects of motorsport generally. Um, in my role as chair, um, I'm there to promote the club, um, but primarily to promote marshals within motorsport. Um, I sit on a number of uh, committees within Motorsport UK, who are our governing body of motorsport within the UK. Um, and I'm very much um, an advocate of making sure that our voice is heard. Um, and that's why I'm on those committees, is to make sure that we aren't forgotten. Um, we, we are very key to running events. Um, without us, motorsport won't happen, but equally without drivers, we wouldn't have anything to watch either but um, we are very key to making things happen um, and it's very important to me um, as chair to make sure that all marshals are treated with respect um, and their volunteer status is recognised um, and equally that we're given the right training and recognition for what we do um, so that we can progress, we can gain experience and we can go on to do other events um, so uh, for me as chair it's really important to keep our voice heard um, across motorsport and, and constantly remind people that we are there on a voluntary basis but we're equally there because we love motorsport and we want to make things work and make things happen yeah so people use the term orange army where where's that come from can you can you explain it see i prefer orange family yeah orange Oh, yeah, yeah. All right. we're a, we're a family. We're a, we're a bit of a misfit family. There's there's the odd strange cousin that you don't speak to very often in there somewhere. Um, but hey, that's what a family is all about. Um, um, but I think we have one connection, which is motorsport. Um, mm. and and therefore it doesn't matter what your background is. Um, what you do as a day job is irrelevant. Um, we just all come together as one family unit. Uh, we work as a unit. Um, and to me, it's more a family rather an army we're not a revolution we're not trying to revolutionize anything um but we work in as a team as a as a close-knit unit on a post um to make things happen to make things work so um yes it's a bit hierarchical in that you have the post chief so the leader of the team um but equally everybody's treated the same um but more in respect of in terms of experience so the younger people um are the trainees so they're the people who are newer to the sport um, as opposed to necessarily being age younger yeah. um, because maybe some of the younger people who are actually at the higher level of experience um, and some of the older people are coming in as new members of the motorsport family so hence why I, I refer to it more as a family because of that uh, that nature and that mix um, and and how we all work together as one and and we all look after each other um, I would say it's the one thing it doesn't matter where you go in the country um, what event you go to what venue you go to somebody in orange is a family member we're we're all one member of one big group um and it doesn't matter what member what club you're a member of you're still a marshal um so hence why 
um, I would see as more as a family, family of misfits who are equally placed around the country um, and then come together to, to work at events. You're very much recognised worldwide because we had a guest called Laura Luff. She's a racing driver from Germany and she was bigging you guys up so much. Um, it was It was incredible. And I just thought... You know what we need to speak to you guys because you are important you know if it weren't for you guys we there wouldn't be motor racing and yeah so you mentioned a radio advert and that's how you, how you got into it tell us a little bit more about that yeah so so a friend of mine actually heard um a discussion going on on local radio um she happened to be just tuned into a local radio station um they were talking about motorsport um and the the individual who was being interviewed on the radio um, was talking about how you could become a marshal um and and be a volunteer um and that was kind of all the information she gave me really because she she didn't she wasn't really that interested herself mm. um but she thought of me when she heard it um she took the name she took the details down so that was the important bit she took the name and phone number oh thank goodness um, she did or you wouldn't be where you are absolutely absolutely I I would not have known quite quite honestly um and um I'd, I hadn't really actually been to a motorsport event myself so it I'd watch it on the telly um but I'd never actually been to a to a live event as it were um so uh it was kind of like what is this what is this motorsport thing um we we had we'd been to Formula One that was the only thing we'd been to was we'd been we'd done the British Grand Prix um, yeah. me and my friend um, I mean, but that's not a bad start, is it? <laughs> it's not a bad start, but that was the only. It was kind of like, well, that's 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 motorsport. That's all I knew as motorsport was Formula One. I knew nothing about any other kind of motorsport at all. Um, and so, as a consequence, I phoned this guy up, um, and he said, "We run taster days at Alton Park," and I was like, "Okay." What's one of those? Um, signed up for a taster day, um, and went along to Alton Park so up at the crack of dawn uh, at the time I, I lived in Leeds uh, so it was a, a good good hour and a half drive to Alton Park um, maybe a little longer speed limit permitting um, <laughs> <laughs> and um, obviously very excited up early this is just something new and exciting to do on a on a Saturday um, and um, met up with the person who was organising the taste today um, uh, a person called Cliff Hammond who unfortunately is no longer with us um, but um, Cliff um, took us round. So there was me and another person who'd signed up for the taste today. Um, and he took us on a tour of the circuit. See, we went round the different marshals posts out on, on the circuit. He took us round scrutineering area. We went into the medical centre. We went up to race control, assembly area, pit lane. So we basically saw where there were marshals and what people were doing. Um, and then I got put on post for the afternoon. So uh, I was uh, I was on the avenue at Alton Park. So just past the first um as you as you go around the circuit I know it <laughs> a lot of people will um yeah. and uh, I had a TBR land at my feet and I think that was probably it it was kind of like that's that's made my day um didn't make his but he he literally lost it and landed in the barrier uh, at our feet um the team I was I was I had no idea what to do um the team I was with they all ran to the car they all started doing things he got out of the car he climbed over the barrier and he sat on the floor and I thought well I can speak to somebody if I can do nothing else I can at least talk to the guy um who then sat there and proceeded to say that he didn't feel very well at which point I was like I don't know what to do now I really don't know what to do now <laughs> <laughs> so like panic can somebody come and help um I managed to fall over on my en route 
to, to the incident, I managed to fall over. So I did a good Superman flying impression as I as I landed on the floor and um, got up, dusted myself down and carried on. Um, and when it was all cleared up and everything over, I was like, can we do that again? That was just brilliant. Uh, I have no idea what I was doing and it just felt really good. But can we do that again, please? Um, so I was hooked. It was like, literally, that was it. I was hooked. I had grass stains up my jeans. I was like, I, I want to do this. I want to set those orange overalls. Where do I sign up? Can I come back? Um, and that was it, really. Um, so that's how I started. Wow. Well, we'll ask you about the taster days in a bit because I w- we wanted to ask obviously what they're like, and I'm very curious to know if they still allow newbies so close to the action. Um, but yeah, that I mean that sounds so rewarding just from the first day, let alone what you've done so far, and you guys do an incredible job, like Deb said. And um, you know, what would you say is the hardest part of your role? Because it's not all it's not all fun and games. I would say the hardest is there's probably two things. One, when the weather is awful, um, and we are stood outside and there isn't really much shelter. Um, and if it's just dreadful all day and incessant and doesn't stop, then it's it's pretty rough. Um yeah. And it and it I guess at that point it's then a case of keeping up team morale um and, and getting people to think of well is it is is what's the combination when you get home? Is it a shower and a beer or is it a bath and a glass of wine? You know, it's like you start thinking about what is it that's I'm really a curry tonight, or you know, what is it that's gonna get me through the rest of the day to get me home, you know. Um so I guess that's that's when it's like really tough. Um but uh if the racing is good and the and the drivers are still going for it then you kind of like forget about the weather um so uh, so that that can make a difference um and i would say the other thing that can be disheartening is if there aren't many cars in a grid so especially when with racing uh, particularly if there's not many cars in a grid it can be quite dull mm. um you kind of like see see one car and then you see another car and then they spread out and and there's it's really nothing too exciting um mm. and you end up kind of like trying to count the gap between the cars to see if one of them's actually getting any quicker or slower or if they're ever going to meet up again um whereas if you've got a full pack if you've got 30 plus cars coming round you, you kind of like take a deep breath and they come round and then you wait and then they come round again and you know and it's like you get that momentary gap before they reappear um but it it's quite constant okay they can spread out so then you get them more frequently coming around but that's then the interest that's then exciting uh watching cars watching drivers coming from the back of the pack watching them they've had an incident they've spun off and then they're gaining places or somebody you saw had an incident during qualifying and then they're making their way up through the pack that's when it's interesting that's when it's really good great racing to watch and and a lot of these drivers are are the same as us they're amateur drivers they they have a day job during the week they save up their money to pay to go racing um so there to me that's the great type of racing to watch is because they're there because they love it they've spent all every working every hour of the day trying to get enough money so that they can come racing um and we then get to watch them do really well even if they're just class champions you know and they're class four so they're they're fighting midway down the pack um but there's a good battle going on it's always really exciting that's when it gets really interesting oh, it's nice to hear you talking about the racing drivers as if they're you know you're you're inspiring you're inspired by them and they're inspired by you and it's just a nice cycle well, um, I'd have nothing to do if they weren't there so <laughs> yeah have you ever um have you ever had a, a particularly horrible incident 
happen you know what what do you do in that what goes through your head in that sort of situation um I guess I'm lucky and I guess I have to touch wood in that I've not had anything really like really nasty um Mm. I've had various incidents and and thankfully the drivers have either walked away or they've been okay afterwards so um I'm not in that situation where I've I've had to deal with anything of a really bad nature of any description um but uh, I think in in terms of of dealing with any kind of incident um it's it's a case of first thing is take a breath count to five wait for the dust to settle um and then by that time your brain is already thinking about what needs to happen first and depending on experience so obviously I have been doing it for 20 years um my experience will be different from somebody who's never done it before um and quite often we'll say to people who are new is you'll have one of two reactions when something happens one will be you want to run away or two is you want to get on and deal with it and and nobody knows what that reaction is you're going to have until you have that first incident happen in front of you um my first reaction was to run away I do remember that I remember somebody saying to me gosh you were near that fence well before that car got anywhere near the barrier and I was like yes because that was coming in far too quick but um thankfully nothing happened but um I think it's then a case of thinking well what needs to happen what and depending on what your role is um so I now quite often act as a post chief so I am responsible for a team of people so I'm not necessarily the person who's getting involved and going and speaking to the driver directly um but I'm making notes and making sure that all everybody is in a safe position and there's nothing else that's going to happen that people need to be aware of um and and what I need to occur so um if an incident occurs do I need extra assistance do I need the session stopping because it's blocked the circuit or I'm going to need help because the barrier is damaged or whatever it is so that's my thought process whereas um, obviously a flag marshal is determining which flag they should be waving at the time of an incident whether it's after them or before them um, whether they need to wave two yellow flags or just one Um, and the same with the incident team is it a case of just wait because although he's on the car he's actually going to drive off again Um, or have they hit the barrier is the driver not giving us any indication that they're okay and we need to go and check um is it on fire do i need to take an extinguisher <laughs> you know so so depending on what your role is you'll have a different reaction as to what you're then expected to do to deal with whatever happens. yeah there's there's an incident that um pops in my head and how you guys reacted so it was a support race uh, for the british touring cars and it was the mini challenge um i don't know if you've you, I think you know the one I'm talking about. The the quickness and the response of you guys, including the driver, of getting him out and how it was covered on TV was just phenomenal. I couldn't believe how awesome you guys were. I've already signed up for a taste today, but just seeing that just made me want to do it even more. And I would very much say to anyone, watch that clip from last year, British Touring Cars at Fruxton. It was phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. I, unfortunately, I don't know the marshal's name, um, but I do know he was given an award um, as a consequence because he did. He did a brilliant job. Mm. Um, presence of mind to realise that he was not going to get into the car in an easy way. So the only way is going through the windscreen mm. um, I, and and to do it. Yeah. So, yeah, he did a fantastic job. I was just about to say. It was great, it was great telly because it because they captured it perfectly on the mm. telly. It was very, very good. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I was just about to say, I haven't seen the clip. So if anybody's listening, thinking oh you know what happened what happened 
So um, um, I can't remember whether there was contact between a couple of cars. All I remember is a Mini did go off, hit the barrier and burst into flames. Um, and the car was on its side um, mm. and it's on the driver's side. So the driver can't get out of the car because it's on laying on the driver's side. Um, and they couldn't open the passenger door. So the marshal kicked in the windscreen to get him out, out of the windscreen. So yeah. Wow. Yeah. While other marshals went and tackled the fire. But but even so, he he knew he had to get the driver out somehow. And the driver obviously knew he had to get out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he kicked in the windscreen to, to smash the windscreen to get him out. Wow. So if I Google 2019 Thruxton Mini and Marshall, well it's 2020 2020. (laughs) right gosh is the time flying that quickly (laughs) but yeah i watched the obviously the most recent example of that was the roman grosjean Mm. fire and honestly i I get goosebumps every time i think about it when i watched it live i just couldn't i couldn't write my blog I, i had to just put it down i was so in shock and watching it again on drive to survive i was crying it was honestly just it's just highlights you know why we wanted to get you on here and talk about the job that you do um because without you incidents like that could have a you know a not so nice ending so um thankfully it doesn't happen very often we talk we've talked about two fires there but but thankfully they don't happen very often um I, I had a fire with a mini, um, less spectacular. He hadn't crashed. It just caught fire. Um, and I remember he came into view. So again, Alton Park, um, and I was on the Knickerbrook chicane and he appeared over hilltop. And as he came towards the chicane, it was like, he's on fire. <laughs> it's like, you can quite clearly see flames coming out the side of the wheels and everything. Um, and he managed to park it near us. And we did put the fire out, but it was literally filling the cabin with smoke. So the driver just bailed out the car um, and we got we put the fire out very quickly and somebody actually videoed it. Somebody or they took some um, photos and they had the timestamp um, and they said we got the fire out in 12 seconds. Wow. So it, so it's, it's kind of like, oh, that's that's good information to know because you don't know. You have no clue. It's like, yes, we got the fire extinguishers and we from the point we pulled the pins on the fire extinguishers and aimed them at the car. 12 seconds have spectacular fires with with no real consequence okay the car was a little bit worse for wear but it was actually <laughs> racing it was racing the next day so <laughs> wow, that's unreal so to do obviously um all the, the fires and um the serious incidents that you you guys have to deal with and um, you are putting yourselves at risk um obviously you enjoy it you enjoy the adrenaline but there are some a lot of risks involved in in what you do and so do you feel that your your orange family gets enough recognition um, i think sometimes people may not realize that we're volunteers um i think uh it obviously anything that's shown on on tv it's not always obvious that um in the uk we are all volunteers it may not be the case abroad um but certainly within the uk we are all all volunteers um and i guess um a lot of clubs do try and remind their drivers, um, tell them that we are there as volunteers. Um, and a lot of the clubs are very supportive. Um, we have sponsors of our club um, who are organising clubs um, and uh, they ensure that their drivers do recognise um, that we're volunteers. Um, we may get a small um, subsidy or a, a small um, token of thanks of some description um, from those clubs um, so that they are showing their appreciation. 
Um, I, I guess in, in any line of volunteering and probably any line of work, uh, there's always an element of um, we may be just missed out of some communications. Um, and I guess that's the important part for us is um, making sure that we're kept well informed as to what's happening. So potentially there's an incident elsewhere on the circuit and people are like, have I got time to go to the loo or get a drink or, you know, very basic questions, but might not necessarily have that information and um, just making sure that we are kept informed of potential long delays or changes to timetables um, so that we can obviously manage ourselves around that. Um, uh, we, we quite often joke that lunches are nice to have um, because if anything goes, if anything goes wrong in the morning, it's the lunch break that gets shortened. Um, but most clubs realise that at the bare minimum, they need to allow us to have a break of some description um, to use basic facilities, if nothing else. Um, so uh, it's recognised from that point of view. But I think there, there are always times when things are beyond the organiser's control. Um, and as long as they recognise that, even if it's a message over the airwaves, radio messages, um, just to say, look, this has happened and it's, it's nothing we can do anything about and we are going to try and shorten the day or we're going to give you a break later on or, or whatever they're going to try and do to just to recognise the fact that we have been stood outside all day and haven't had a break. Um, because if you were working, you would be given a break. <laughs> you wouldn't be allowed. Um, so uh, I, I, I think overall we are respected in that sense. Um, there's always an element of it could be better. Um, and um, recognition of any description is great um, but quite often it is just a thank you um, and a, we're really sorry this has happened and we're doing everything we can to sort it out you know it's it's fairly basic stuff that we would like um, and it comes down to those basic needs of a person um, just to ensure that they are okay so have they got somewhere where they can put their stuff to keep it dry um, have they got somewhere where they can take shelter if it's inclement weather and they decide to stop the session for any reason? Can we all go and jump in our cars and get out the weather for 20 minutes? Um, it's those basic points that people just need to, to remember, really, um, that uh, don't forget us lot who, are, who aren't sat in a nice, comfy, air-conditioned race control um, and we, we haven't got necessary shelter. I mean, somewhere like Alton Park, you, there's posts where you've maybe got trees to go under or, or shelter of some description, but not all circuits. Thruxton, we mentioned earlier, there's nothing at Thruxton. You're in the middle of nowhere. Um, so uh, so it, it's those basic, just give us five minutes. If we haven't got enough people um, on the post to allow a rotation, to allow us to stand down and get that break, um, just take that into consideration. 100%. Yes. Um, this actually leads nicely on to my next question because I'm fully aware you do a blog and you've mentioned it in your blog. Now, there's a certain gentleman in motorsport that promotes you guys, Paul O'Neill. Just going to put a name drop in there. Whoa. <laughs> now, or Oe Oe Oe. How important is it? Because I know since he done his little taste today, he he's always, you know, shouted about the Orange family 
and raised it and done interviews with you guys. But how important is it for drivers to actually get involved themselves and, you know, do a few miles in your shoes? Uh, well, actually, very interesting. Um, uh, we, we mentioned Taster Days, and I, I think you've got a question about Taster Days uh, coming up. But um, when we do Taster Days, uh, there are occasions when we have drivers who come on those Taster Days. Uh, so there are certain championships, certain clubs uh, who award points, uh, championship points uh, for drivers who go and spend a day as marshal. Um, oh, wow. So, so I, I'm aware of one championship where um, the drivers were actually all going to try and do a day's marshalling before the season started so that they could leave the championship <laughs> without actually having raced. Um, but, you, you know, which is great. Um, but uh, I think when we've done it with, uh, we've had drivers on taster days, it's opened their eyes mm. completely. Um, and uh, we've, we've kind of built it in so that if we know that they've got to do a day or they've been told they've got to go and do a day as marshal, we try and say, look, come when we're doing a taster day and we'll take you round. And we literally do exactly the same as we do on any taster day um, and then put them out on circuit for the afternoon on a post and get them involved in anything so it's like yeah go and wave the flags and yes you are going to go and push that car and you are going to brush up at the end of the session or whatever it is um but a lot of it a lot of the responses i've had from drivers as a consequence is they had no idea they had no clue what was going on elsewhere and they when they turn up at the circuit so they kind of like flipped it around and said when they turn up at the circuit they know what time they would need to go to scrutineering pre-COVID um, and what time their qualifying session was and what time their races were. And they would be the only times that they would have in their head and they might have written up on a whiteboard or blackboard in their gazebo um, and they would just work to that. But they wouldn't have the concept that actually when they're not out on circuit, something else is. And so for us, it doesn't stop. It's like the next session, the next session, the next session. Whereas for the drivers, they've got a gap between them having done their qualifying session. And yes, they might need to do a few bits on the car and they'll go and get a bike to eat and they'll have a sit down and a cozy and a chat. And, and then they'll get themselves ready for racing. But for us, it's like, well, the next session's out and now the next session's out and we don't have that gap. And that's what a lot of them have come back and said, yeah, we didn't think about that. We, it just hadn't entered their heads that that was even happening and because they were so concentrating on what they were doing and what was their responsibility so I think we went up a respect level as a consequence because they kind of like oh yeah you're you're out here all the time it, it doesn't stop so so yeah I think it's, it's great and I think the more drivers who do it um I mean I'd love to see it as part of a license yeah, um, in Motorsport UK, but I don't think that will happen. It's it's something that Motorsport UK would obviously have to enforce, which is probably not possible. But anyway, the more we can encourage, um, and obviously the clubs that do encourage the drivers, and if they give championship points, that's brilliant. Um, or signatures, I think some of the novices they get a signature on their license um, to, to get their upgrade um, if they go and do a day. So it's just another day for them, but that counts. So great. Um, but I think it just gives them an insight. It just gives them an idea of, of what else is going on and what we end up doing and get involved in. Um, I think also Owe attended, has attended some of our training sessions um, and he's 
he was just blown away by um we we got him to do uh to work on a resource annie um and oh, he, he chatted <laughs> it was very it was very funny there was him and max coates um, and they were taking it in turns to work on a resource annie and we're like well keep going because the poor fella's dying you know it's like come on keep going and we made them do it for a good five ten minutes yeah and they were chatted yeah. they were exhausted at the end of it and i said okay we don't do this but you'd know what to do if somebody fell over in the street and wasn't feeling too well. Um, and, and even that, so I, I, I don't, I wouldn't not really want to do it. I really wouldn't want to do it. And I'm not a first aid trained person, but if somebody collapsed next to me, I'd have a pretty vague idea of what to do. So yeah. I'd give it a good try. I'd, you know, and that's what paramedics will say is like, just give it a go, just mm-hmm. keep going until, until you need to. So not even necessarily in a motorsport sense, um, so we pick up skills by doing that training um, that could come in handy at any time. And I have redirected traffic and moved cars that have been stuck on the road and, and things like that as well, just because just I've been in the right place at the right time to do it. So. Oh, you sound like my mum. She's definitely not an orange family member. She just she just likes the control, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so if we fit the, the previous discussion on itself, um, you obviously love, you know, you love helping people. You that's a that's a big part of the job as well. What's been the most rewarding experience you've had so far um, whilst helping other people to get close to the sport? Um, well, I think in terms of rewarding is seeing somebody on their first day and then seeing them a few years later moving up and getting a new grade and going and doing something else um and and it's watching those people progress um from that first day wide-eyed that i remember i was <laughs> um and then seeing them being in control of a post um writing reports uh, managing a team um that it's just it's, it's like any work job really is kind of like nurturing people through the ranks and and giving them the experience and the the training um, and and the uh, confidence really to to move on um, and and there's been times when I've said to people you can do this you you could quite easily do this role you just don't want to do it but you would be able to and just giving them a little gentle push in the right direction um, and then they're going oh yeah I can actually can I yeah <laughs> oh, <that's nice. laughs> see I told you <laughs> And and that's great. And 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 I have no problem if people become move up the scale higher than me or or, or anything. It's like people do what they want to do. Um, and some people aren't bothered. Um, they're not too worried about um, moving up and taking control of a team or anything. They do that in their day job and they really don't want to be doing that at the weekend, which is perfectly acceptable as well. Um, but those people who who you know they just need a little push. Um, and and then they do a fantastic job and you can see them and or you hear the radio communications and you go oh yeah they're doing a great job that's really good you know so it's all of those that that to me is, is the pleasure out of it um is seeing people progress definitely what are the the key obviously there's i'm not going to go through all of them with you because there'll be tons of progression points but um just for somebody who's listening who might be considering it what could they potentially aim for you know I know that you guys go can go internationally um what's just maybe do like basic mid and you know what's the top goal so so um 
there's not that many levels to be fair um and it it's more gaining the experience um to gain go up to the next level and the confidence so um we are actually in the process of reviewing how that will work to make it even more simpler to, to, for people to, to understand how they can move uh, to different disciplines and, and different levels. Um, but simply stated, uh, someone who starts as a trainee, because you will, no matter what you do for a day job, everyone will start as a trainee. Um, if you did, say, 20 days in a couple of years, over a couple of years, tended a few training days, you could possibly volunteer for the Grand Prix. You might not get wow. accepted because yeah. it's a limited number of people, obviously. Um, but roughly speaking, if you've done about 20 days um, and you, you could then be at that first stage of potentially volunteering for the British Grand Prix. Um, but up until that, you can do any other event in the UK. So um, from circuit racing obviously formula one is the pinnacle um but as a trainee you could attend british touring cars british gts um which are the second level really of racing within the uk um and you could do that as a trainee so there's nothing nothing to stop you um apart from covid which we probably will talk about at some other point um but that's the only blocker currently um but otherwise you'd be able to attend any event at your local venue um, as a trainee, uh, the only exception is, is the British Grand Prix. Um, and there's a couple of events where they limit the number of marshals. But again, um, it's just an, a couple of events, not very many. Um, and as you said about international marshalling, so um, you can volunteer uh, to marshal abroad once you are no longer a trainee. So the same sort of time scale that you could volunteer to be at the British Grand Prix, um, you could then be volunteering to to go abroad if you would like to. Unfortunately, you have to pay your own expenses. Um, so depending on linking it with the holiday or whatever, but I know plenty of people who've been to the Australian Grand Prix, um, Nürburgring 24 hour, Le Mans 24 hour, um, Canada, Canadian Grand Prix. So people go all over the place um, marshalling and, and some people do that literally that's their holidays for the year is going and marshalling at as many events abroad as they possibly can get to um within the time scale <laughs> could somebody do sort of back-to-back -back race weekends if they wanted to is there a limit on how you know if somebody was absolutely that's all i want to do in my spare time could they do if, that if you've got the time then then there will be an event somewhere that you can go to <laughs> absolutely um and and because we're volunteers we're effectively able to go wherever we want to within the uk um as long as as long as it's accepted that you can do that um so it's up to you um so just as an example i was at donnington at easter um which isn't my local circuit but i, I could get to donnington and back um so i did three days at easter at donnington um and then i was at alton park last weekend i'm at alton park this saturday so um fairly fairly busy <laughs> um, and, and depending on, on what your interests are you could be you could be so Alton Park tends to only race on a Saturday um but if I wanted to I could po possibly find an event on Sunday somewhere else um if you wanted to you could be at a rally one weekend you could be at a hill climb the next weekend so you could do different disciplines it wouldn't have to just be racing events um but yeah if you if you have the time and the inclination and the money you could you could do every weekend if you wanted wow so you've clearly got a lot of experience and 
you've traveled a lot of miles is there a particular track that you just love going to difficult one um i would say alton's probably on the top of the list partly because it's just around the corner from where i live um so that makes it nice and easy um but somewhere like goodwood um for the revival for that event um is something very special um and we've signed up for that as many times as we possibly are able to <laughs> I've, um, I've attended a few times myself and and we've also done the members meeting down there as well so um it's a long way <laughs> it's the other end of the country for me um but we'd make the efforts just because of the atmosphere um the nature of the circuit um and the racing that tends to be phenomenal as well mm. um so i guess i guess if different circuits have different pulls for different reasons yeah I agree. I've I've got a few circuits that I like to go to. Obviously, my home one, Silverstone, and then I've got you know I love Brands Hatch for particular reasons, and then Alton Park as well. You know, I've made a lot of memories at Alton Park, and it is one of those tracks that I'm like, I don't care how far it is, I'm going because <laughs> I've just got you know you just got so much love there and just memories and everything. So I know where you're coming from and. Yeah, Goodwood Revival. It's always on my list. Really? <laughs> it's the first one we book holidays for. <laughs> yeah, I'm the same. I'm the same. Um, a little birdie told me that your first love is circuit racing. What makes you so passionate about it? Um, I think it's the competition element. So I think it's the, um, the fact that cars are competing against each other mm -hmm. um, rather than against the clock. Um, so obviously a hill climb, speed event, rally, it, it's against the clock. Um, whereas circuit, um, you can see the competition. You can see it unfold in front of you. You can see who's leading. Um, you don't have to rely on a timesheet to see that. Um, and, and the battles that can happen throughout a race. So not necessarily just the guys at the front. The guys in the middle are just having their own little battle. And even the guys at the back. They might be slower than everybody else, but they're still having a great little battle at the back. So um, I think that's that's the element is is those those racing elements. So those competing elements um, between the drivers. Are there any motorsport events that you haven't done yet or disciplines um, that you still want to do? Um, I haven't really thought about that, to be honest. Um, I think I've, I've managed to do most circuits, um, but my plan has always been that I would like to go and visit all circuits in the UK um, and marshal at them. Um, so I have been to Knock Hill, but haven't marshaled at it. Um, Snetterton's on my list. Unfortunately, because of COVID last year, I couldn't make it, but there is a plan that we make it this year. Um, so I'd like to be able to do all of them to tick them off, if nothing else. Um, so I've done most of them now. Um, so there's just Snetterton, Thruxton I haven't marshaled at. Um, I think I've done most of the others, as I say, Knock Hill, not yet. Um, so apart from apart from the locations that I haven't done, um, there's, there's no particular event. I think I've, I have marshaled at the British Grand Prix a few times. I was lucky enough to be there last year for both Grand Prix, which oh, was very nice. surreal. It was very bizarre without spectators, but um, but yeah, it was a it was a very different event having done it previously with spectators, obviously. Um, so I think I've all of those boxes and said yes I've done all of those events and I think 
I'm now at the stage where I know what I like to watch. Um, and so I'll probably prioritise those events. Um, so historic stuff has definitely got a, a draw. Um, and the fact that Donington, um, I was at the FIA Masters at Easter weekend. Uh, so that blew away the cobwebs with some nice noisy cars going around um, and and the, the older cars as well. So I think I, I kind of have worked myself into a niche of liking the historic racing. Um, so that's probably the, the, the ones that I'll seek out um, at venues and say, oh, if, if I can squeeze that one in, I'll try and go to Cadwell to do that event or, or, or wherever. Um, so, so rather than an event I've not done before, um, it's more the ones that I know that I like and I, I want to go and do again. This leads on to my next question. Um, what are the plans for the, for this year? Obviously, marshals are essential for racing, regardless of the pandemic, because obviously some motorsports events can still carry on. Um, are you fully booked or what, what's, what's, <laughs> what's going on? <laughs> so, so my calendar is, yes, my year is already fully booked um, with the proviso that nothing else moves because um, there have been a few changes to the calendar um, already mm-hmm. um, since the beginning of the year, obviously because of the pandemic and um, what's allowed in terms of um, events themselves and what the events want to want to put out there really so um, obviously events where they can have spectators have been pushed back um, so that they can they can be in that time frame when spectators will be allowed Um, from a point of view of restarting this year um, we we restarted in the same position that we finished at the end of last season Um, so from a marshalling's perspective we are still working with reduced numbers. Um, so unfortunately, we are actually turning people away, um, which is a good thing. It means we've got plenty of volunteers who want to come back and, and get back out there. We've not lost them as a consequence of them not being able to do anything last year or anything. Um, so it's really great that we've got a lot of interest still. Um, but uh, the hope is that obviously as we move through um, the roadmap that the government have set out uh, will then be in a, a better place to invite more marshals to come along um, and we can increase those those numbers allowed. Um, obviously we're trying to um, maintain the social distancing uh, rules and, and obviously minimum number of people on, on posts um, because of the good current government guidelines um, with a view that um, we've penciled in, I would say, um, from next month, all things being as they are, from next month, we can start inviting trainees. Um, so a trainee is being classified as someone who's not really done any actual experience out on circuit. They may have attended a training day um, or the taster day, um, but not actually done any days out on the circuit. Um Whereas some people who are graded as a trainee, they've maybe done 10, 12 events. And so they have been allowed to come um, over the over the past uh, 12 months. Um, so that's the kind of like the next stage is, is getting those trainees who've been sat there waiting <laughs> uh, to, to come out. Um, and then the next stage. So we kind of like fingers crossed that the next stage is then when we can invite completely new people um, so that we can then restart pace the days um, and we can then um, encourage people to come along. Um, we've had a lot of interest uh, over the last 12 months. Um, I think a lot of people have said, 
if that's how I can get to motorsport, that's how I want to do it (laughs) is because I can volunteer and I can be there. So the fact I was at the British Grand Prix, um, a lot of my friends are like, that's so unfair because I had tickets and you just went. (laughs) But that was the rules. It was like we still had to stick to the rules. We weren't allowed to go in certain places. Um, But a very different experience um but as a consequence there's a lot of interest um we've managed to maintain that interest by um providing training online sessions um to those individuals um so that they have a flavor of what to expect when they can actually come to the circuit um unfortunately we've not been able to run any face-to-face training events which would normally happen at the beginning of the year um because of the pandemic um but a lot of sessions have been run over zoom um, so uh, we have done some um, refresher courses um, as well as some introductory courses for people as well. Um, so we kind of like keeping people interested with the hope that maybe June, possibly, um, we can start looking at getting Taste Today's back up and running and, and showing people what we actually do. So, yeah, fingers crossed. Yeah. Well, if we, well, we, we definitely hopefully have some listeners um, who are thinking, wow, that, that's a bit of me. Um, what's the best way for them to make that first step? Is it just to give you guys a message on social media or send you an email? The, the, probably the best way is to go on our website. Um, so marshalls.co.uk. Um, on the front page, there is a section that says sign up for a taste today. Um, and literally you fill in your details um, and we will get in touch. So um, the way it works is that we obviously know where you are in the country from your address um, and we will put you in touch with the most local recruitment officer uh, for that region. Um, and they will then explain to you what a taste the day is um, and invite you along to a date as soon as we're allowed to actually start running those taster days. Um, I always have said that the taster days are a great way to find out whether it really is what you want to do um, because because we effectively make you do a day so you are there when we all sign on which is 7 seven thirty in the morning potentially and you won't be allowed to go home until we finish which may be half past six seven o'clock at night um, so that you do get the full experience of what it is like to be there um, for a full day um, because at the end of the day, some people might turn around and say, no, that isn't really for me. And that's perfectly fine. And we'd rather you found that out on the taster day rather than sign up, join a club, buy your overalls, um, buy your boots, get your, all your kit ready, and then decide that actually you've spent all that money and you don't want to do it anymore. Um, whereas a taster day, and, the, and we find that the vast majority of people who come on a taster day, they come back. So if they're that keen and they come on a taste today, then they're going to come back the same as I did. Um, so when I signed up and I was hooked from that first day, um, that that's the key. And uh, what we try and do is obviously make sure that you do get involved in something. So it may be just waving a flag because there's nothing else that happens on, on the location that you're at. Um, but if something does happen and we need help clearing up at the end of the end of the session and pushing a car or sweeping up, then we'll get you involved uh, on your taste today. We won't we won't make you stand at the side and watch. Um, so uh, so you would you could potentially get involved literally from day one. Um, but obviously we make sure that you are safe um, and we do that risk analysis. And it may be that we say, OK, watch this. 
wait till it's finished and we're going to stop the session because it's such a mess and then you can help out because it's now stopped and it's now a completely safe environment to work in um, rather than live uh, live um, intervention um, while, while the racing is still going on and we wouldn't put you in that situation. I always say to people I'd never ask you to do something if I wouldn't be prepared to do it myself <laughs> so I'm not going to ask you to run across the road if I wouldn't do it myself. <laughs> So just just really quickly, just to polish up, um, do you have any sort of maybe top three tips that you would give somebody that only a seasoned marshal like yourself would know? You know, what essential items to have in your travel bag, what shoes to wear, that sort of thing. So, um, when somebody starts, we always give them a recommended kit um, in terms of uh, safety boots, overalls, um, hats glasses sunglasses plenty of food and drink um no alcohol on post but whatever you like afterwards um and i would say probably in terms of top tips is um always bring more than you think you need so that's generally in terms of food drink extra sets of clothing um have spares in the car or or something but always bring more than you you need because if you haven't got enough you can't leave and go and get more um but you can always take things off or throw things away if you don't eat it or whatever um i'd also say bring your sense of humor because everyone will have one and you've just got to find it and and work with it (laughs) whatever that sense of humor is um but above all i would say bring your passion for motorsport um that that's why we're there we're there because we want to see some good racing some nice cars um some good interaction and to have a bit of fun along the way um so Um, you don't have to be a knowledgeable person about motorsport. You don't have to be a knowledgeable person about cars. Um, I'm just interested in cars. I couldn't tell you how to put one together or mechanic for one. I would not have a clue. Um, I just know what I like and I know what cars I like and which ones I think, well, I hope he beats him because that's a much nicer car than that one. Um, Or it just looks nice, uh, you know, or it's a great paint job or, you know, whatever it is. Um, But bring that passion for motorsport um, and be willing to learn. Be open to anything thing and to get that experience and willing to learn sounds great thank you so much if you've been following our podcast you'll know that the last thing we ask our guests is for a song choice to go on our driver playlist which can be found on spotify so nadine what song are you going to pick and why wasn't expecting that as a question (laughs) um it would have to be my favourite song of all time, um, which is Somebody to Love by Queen. Oh, yeah. Another Queen song. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Right, that's going on right now. Love it. Oh, my granddad would love this playlist. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Well, that's, that's a great ending to... Um, a fantastic fantastic episode we've absolutely enjoyed this chat so much and I'm sure we could do another episode and talk for another two hours about everything we didn't even get to ask you the questions about females and I wanted to ask you other questions I wanted to ask if you had orange socks all sorts but we didn't get there (laughs) um but yeah, that's made me feel like I'm, I'm missing out by not being a volunteer. So let's just do another small shout out to the Orange family of Marshalls who keep the sport that we love running. And thank you so, so much for all of your hard work. Genuinely. Thank you very much for having me. You're, You're welcome. welcome.
And I'm going to keep banging on to people about Marshalls. I'm going to do whatever it takes to repost posts. I'm going to visit your blog. And we generally do have Marshalls that interact with our page already. So I'm going to continue to support you guys. I'm just waiting for the green flag so I can do my taste today because I'm just so keen to get involved and keep doing what you do best, looking after us all. And we can't thank you enough. Thank you very much. Enjoy the rest of your evening and thank you so much again for coming on. Thank you, Nadine. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, when it's safe to do so, we'd really encourage at least one of our listeners to sign up for a taste of day and experience what it's like to be a volunteer because every person can make a difference. Feel free to send us a message if there's anything we've mentioned in this episode that you're not sure about or head to the website that Nadine mentioned earlier to find out more information if you'd like to get involved. And as always, if you want to show some love for our podcast, then feel free to like and subscribe. Thanks for listening to the Be Velocity podcast. If you know someone who would like to get involved in building our global community, or you'd like to get involved yourself, then you know where we are. And on that note, it's been a fantastic episode and it's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from me. Engineered. Driven. By females. Thank you.